Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Welcome along to Teachers Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us this evening. Uh, You might be listening back to this and hit play on the recording, in which case, thank you very much. Thanks for clicking play. Um, I hope you're going to enjoy the next sort of 90 minutes of conversation about flexible working in schools. Uh, The show tonight is very much uh, focused on flex education and how flexible working can be introduced into schools and into the education sector uh, more, let's say, more thoroughly than it is now. And I'm going to be joined in a moment by Lindsay Patience and Lucy Rose, who have written the wonderful book, Flex Education, A Guide for Flexible Working in Schools, which is brought to you by Sage Education Publishing. Um, the book is about finding the right balance between your life and your job. Um, and the book looks specifically at flexible working and how it can work for individual teachers and how it can work on a whole school level. Um, We are going to go through the main takeaways from the book. We're going to discuss them in detail with the authors themselves, which is going to be really interesting and I'm sure uh, very engaging for everybody here to to listen to what they have to say. Um, And yeah, and that's what we're going to do this evening. Um, so the book, just so you know, is available through Sage Education. Um, and we're going to post a uh, link to a discount code if you want to actually get the book at the end. Um, I'm going to tweet that out in a few moments. So you can uh, grab yourself a copy of the book if you like what you hear at the end of the show. Uh, we will share that. Um, I've got the book in front of me, really enjoyed reading it. I've been reading it over the last two weeks. It is a book that you can dip in and out of. It's a book that you can certainly look at the chapters at the beginning and say, okay, what do I need? Um, And then dig in from there. Chapters are flexible working in schools, the benefits of flexible working in education, reasons for seeking flexible working in schools, types of flexible working, flexible working requests, flexible recruitment, talent partnerships or job sharing in schools, part-time working in schools, and then other aspects of flexible working in education. So it's a very thorough uh, guide, if you like, to introducing um, flexible working at a teacher level and a school level. I've got a particular interest in this myself because I currently work uh, part-time as a history teacher alongside doing uh, my other stuff, uh, that being what I'm doing right now, Teachers Talk Radio, um, organising events, speaking, lots and lots of other things. Um, so flexible working is very much a passion and an interest that I have. Uh, I don't think there are many people I know like me. I feel as though uh, particularly men actually in teaching who um, are part-time or working flexibly um i mean for me it wasn't necessarily a plan it's just something that kind of happened um that i needed to happen because as my projects grew um it then meant that you know the time that i needed to dedicate to them and i enjoyed dedicating to them would need to also grow 
And therefore, I started to look for part-time roles or temporary roles or roles that were maybe just a little bit different from the typical, you know, here's a full-time role and we expect you to try and get promoted within a year or two years and we expect you to give absolutely everything. I mean, some teachers just want to be able to teach and go home and teach again and go home and not have to really worry or think about much else beyond that. Now, I wasn't necessarily, as I say, it wasn't a plan for me to go down that road. It's just that that happened and I was looking for opportunities um, that would that would work with what I wanted to do. And I, I guess that's the very core of flexible working is appealing to that individual, what they want, what they need, uh, how they can be the best teacher they can be, and then trying to facilitate that and trying to be open to that and trying to encourage them along that path and that trajectory, if it is possible. Um, we'll talk about the legal sort of um, rights and ramifications of flexible working as well later on uh, with the authors of this this wonderful book. But certainly I think there is a there is a move, particularly during COVID, in many other jobs, they're now working hybrid and remote. People coming into the profession, they want that flexibility. They want to be able to work remotely. They want to be able to have hybrid arrangements. They want to be able to uh, start earlier, leave earlier, start later, leave later. All the usual things to do with flexible working is what the new generation who are coming into the world of work want as default. This was not necessarily the case 10 years ago, probably even five years ago. COVID has changed the landscape. There were remote roles pre-COVID, but just the acceleration of the digital technology that we have now, you know, chat GPT, lots of other things that are emerging mean that, you know, in a lot of other industries and sectors, working from home is becoming a, a norm, at least in part. Um, you know, I noticed that the X, who we're obviously hosting this show on right now, um, have, have told, you know, employees to get back to the office. I know other other companies are however that doesn't mean they don't have flexible working arrangements within that sort of context um you know many companies even if they say yes you need to return or we want you to return to the office they still have flex you know a really sort of flexible working offer um that is included within that so it's interesting that teaching does it need to move with the times does it need to change in terms of what it's delivering and how it's delivering? Um, does it need to really look at itself and say, how are we going to attract the brightest and the best into this profession? Do we do the same that we've always done? Or do we start looking at ways that we can facilitate a real change for everybody who wants to be a teacher and make it more attractive to people, make it sit alongside other professions and other careers um, and actually look more appealing. I don't just mean salary. You know, I, I've always said personally that, you know, the whole salary thing, meaning that recruitment and retention improve, I, I don't buy it. I, you know, I think when you're in a situation where you have no time, someone could pay you a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand, whatever more. And actually, if you haven't got enough time, if you're exhausted all the time, if you're literally on the verge of breakdown, then it doesn't really matter what checkbook somebody puts in front of you. Whereas if someone turns around to you and says, listen, you can work one less day a week. We'll facilitate that for you from September. 
we're going to let you do meetings from home. We're going to let you take your PPAs off site. We're going to let you do all these different things. Then to me, that could potentially make a much bigger difference to the life of that teacher, I think. Now, I have requested in uh, Lindsay and Lucy from Flexible, uh, Flex Teach Talent. Hopefully they can, they can join us. I have sent the request through. Um, so I don't know whether you've received that or not, but if you can uh, click accept, we can hopefully bring you in as soon as possible. You do need to be on a mobile phone, I think, to connect, although they did introduce the ability to do that on desktop um, fairly recently, which was which was interesting. Uh, it could be a good time for me to give a shout out to one of our other supporters uh, on the show this evening. That is ADAPT. Now, ADAPT uh, provide uh, legal support and advice to teachers within education. Um, so if you want a union that's a little bit different from your typical union, then definitely check out adapt at adapt.org.uk. Um, I will mention them later on in the show again um, and also at the end as well. Um, but if you're interested in a, what should we call them, a, a slightly different union than a union? <laughs> I don't know. But um, they offer extensive uh, legal support and uh, everything in between, help, advice. Um, there was a show actually we did on Teachers Talk Radio last week um, with Adapt uh, to find out more about them. Uh, that's available as a podcast. Uh, maybe Nathan as admin can link to it in the pinned uh, section of the show if you're interested in listening back to that. I think Lucy and Lindsay have joined me now. If you want to unmute yourself on the bottom left, there we go. Good evening. Oh, it looks yet. like your you signal. Are you in the middle of a farm field? It sounds like your signal is not the best. Let's bring Lindsay. Okay. Oh, no, maybe I can hear you now. Maybe, maybe it was me. I don't know. Maybe Nathan can tell me, but I can definitely hear you now. Um, how's it going? Are you okay? Great, thank you. Yes, really good. Excellent. Good stuff. Um, as I said, I've read your book. And I've got lots and lots of questions to ask you about it. I think Lindsay has joined us as well on her account. Oh, Lindsay, if you want to unmute yourself. Hi, I'm here, but I'm working a little bit flexibly because my 10-month-old uh, baby has only just gone to sleep and I'm not convinced he will stay asleep. So I might have to dip in and out, I'm afraid. Okay, no problem. No problem at all. Um, uh, I mean, that is absolutely the spirit of this show, isn't it? It's flexible working. So we not a problem. We will we will power through. Um, so do you want to just before we kick off? Um, I'm guessing I've got Lucy on the flexible teacher account and I've got you, Lindsay, on the other one. Maybe you could introduce yourselves a little bit to everyone listening back and live. Yeah, Lindsay, do you want to start? And then if you need to go, then I can carry on. Good idea. Um, hi, I'm Lindsay Patience. Um, so I work with Lucy Rose on Flexible Teacher Talent. Um, I, oh, I don't know where to start. So I'm, a, I'm an 06 uh, Teach First ambassador. So I did uh, the Teach First programme back in 2006. Um, and then I taught in um, two big Teach First London schools um, for about 12 years and was kind of assistant head um, and then I got pregnant with my first baby and I wanted to work flexibly and I couldn't. So I left uh, that school and I got a bit frustrated by that. Like the idea that I kind of I'd had a baby, I had to stop um, working in a school leadership role and it didn't seem quite right. And I met a few other people who were in a similar ish um, situation, including Lucy. Um, so we 
decided to do something about it. So we started um, Flexible Teacher Talent and we thought that we would just be helping kind of other um, other mums basically at first. We thought we'd just be helping other people who had young families and wanted to work flexibly because of that. But what we found quite quickly was that it wasn't that wasn't the only reason um, that people wanted to work flexibly and that lots of people um, were wanting to work flexibly in schools and just couldn't. Um, mm. And we also kind of realised we were going to have to approach it from a slightly different way. So rather than just helping people to find flexible working, we were going to have to help schools um, and trusts to do better at flexible working, to kind of find better ways of introducing it and managing it. So, um, yeah, we, we started Flexible Teacher Talent and it's just grown and grown. Brilliant. Amazing. And uh, Lucy, if you want to... Yeah. So I was an O4 teach first as well, and that's how we we met through the innovation series, which was a a kind of hub that you took place uh, problems from education to, and they would help you develop a sort of way of solving that problem. So that's obviously where we met. I was a teacher and leader assistant head as well. It was a very similar story. I um, had my first child and went back, and then found it was quite difficult to navigate that space or negotiate a flexibility mm. there were some changes in the la- leadership structure at my school and it was always very much you can have this flexibility but you're sort of on borrowed time it's only for this year and so on and yeah so, I mean, yeah. yeah sorry go on go on just like Lindsay said we it's we always talk about the chicken and egg scenario where we've got we need to help make the landscape of schools much more flexible friendly and then the majority of our inbox is people saying, these are my circumstances. This is what's changed. Can you help me with the request? So, and then the other half is obviously helping schools and multi-academy trusts. Mm. You, do, you do say, actually, in the introduction to the book, which obviously contains the case studies about um, yourself and, and Lindsay, who, who, you know, and your stories. But um, in there you do say that the head teacher the sort of attitudes and the, and the views of the head teacher towards flexible working is the most important factor in promoting flexible working um can, can you expand maybe a little bit on that because that sort of fits in with what you've both just said isn't it in terms of yeah. your your own stories I think when you don't know any difference that was my first school I was in the leadership team had just had a dramatic change and necessarily so our head teacher had left everything was quite chaotic and obviously when people are new and coming in they might want to establish themselves in a certain way and the establishment was you know presenteeism and being here all the hours and if you're not prepared to do that then you're probably not as committed as everybody else and perhaps this isn't the place for you and that was a school where I'd been for what's it for like 10 years (laughs) so that was quite uh difficult to navigate we anecdotally felt like, yeah. you know, we've sp- we've spoken to quite a few people who, where head teachers are resistant to it and reluctant, and then of course we found head teachers who are not often women who've had their own children and have found it difficult and are now at the top and are making space and creating um, places in which other women can obviously be leaders and remain in that pipeline. But also, you know, fathers who've, who've realised that the disparity between what their wives are having to navigate and them or their partners is very different. And when you start off with something that's anecdotal and it feels individual to you, and then we, all, we always credit 
and the Enfer, particularly Jack Worth, because he writes these wonderful reports which just back up everything we say with a load of actual credible data. And their 2019 report, you know, just backed up everything that says it's the it's the opinion of the head teacher. There's lots of things. There's logistics. You know, there's access to timetable software. There's all of those kind of things. But the biggest the biggest issue is going to be how much your head teacher really thinks it's going to work or not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that makes perfect sense. Um, I was maybe we should do some sort of like keywords, like the start of a lesson here, um, mm-hmm. because some people might not actually, especially our international listeners who might listen back to this on a podcast, might not know what you mean by presentism. Okay. So do you want to just like talk us through that word first? Yeah, I guess what I mean by it, and maybe this isn't the accepted definition, but it's where you being in the building counts for more than perhaps the work you're producing i'm pleased that in teaching mm. that's changed over time um, and yeah. there, there has definitely been a shift towards not just saying you know work smarter don't work harder but actually putting in foundations and systems that mean people don't have to be in the building for as long or we know that teachers work far you know beyond the hours that they are that they're paid for but there's definitely less of that kind of presenteeism culture. But I think when I started, and I, and I probably think in some schools there still is a, the sort of martyr culture in teaching, and it's possibly why, I'll move on to that, but why it's mm. mainly women that ask for teaching when they get to motherhood, because it's at that moment that the two sort of full-time jobs don't seem to be compatible. Mm, but I think mm. presenteeism is that, yeah, you, you need to be here. You need to be all, all of the hours. You need to be the first one in. You need to be the last one out. Otherwise, how committed are you really to these children that you're serving? Yeah, yeah I mean, our, um, we've got a colleague called Holly Power, who's now a head of school. And she, um, she used to run a kind of recruitment agency to, to supply schools with, with part-time teachers. And she used to have this phrase about... Um, outcomes not hours and she you know she felt really passionately you could you could be on site for like two half days a week and still make a huge impact and it didn't have to be this very traditional model of you know full-time or nothing um and I I don't know if it's there's something as well about us both coming through the teach first route like we we both started off very kind of very young kind of straight out of uni almost um when we had no other commitments and you know we just just worked I I don't know about you Lucy but I certainly where I worked all hours particularly those first few years that I was an assistant head I, I was like the first one in to the car park in the morning and the last mm. one to leave kind of being cooked, kicked out by the caretakers at the end of the day and I I wasn't working very smart I was just working just all these hours and you know if there was a job going it would get given to me because I was there <laughs> I was picking up extra safeguarding things after school because the other members of the senior team had gone home kind of thing so there was very much a like I was proving that I was doing my job by being on site all the time but I also just had no other responsibilities like I didn't have anything else that I needed to be home for I didn't have any kind of health issues that limited how long I was there for or kind of much else going on in my life apart from school and work and that probably almost definitely made me a kind of quite an unhealthy role model and certainly not a very effective leader because I I didn't you know I'm quite an empathetic person but I didn't really understand what it was like for other people who couldn't work those hours um and I I think there is a danger of being kind of chewed up by a a school like that that's led by 
lots of people who are like that who can who can give that kind of presenteeism and a kind of prioritize being on site and being visibly working you know in school I think newer staff and, and kind of staff lower down the hierarchy see that happening higher up and like that's the way to be good like that's the way to be effective mm. is to be yeah. on site and be working yourself into the ground it's just not it's not sustainable and it's not a healthy way of working and it's also just really not inclusive like we talk a lot about women and mothers but it's not inclusive for lots of different people um whether that's because you've got kind of health issue going on in your life whether it's because you've got caring commitments for your parents or or your own children or you know whether you've just got different interests and different things going on like it's it's not that the only good teachers are teachers who are on site all the time every day you know we have a colleague at my school who he he writes history books he writes academic research about history and he teaches history three days a week like he only teaches three days a week because he has that other part of his life where he can do his research and his writing um and you know what what a loss it would be to the to the pupils at my school if he wasn't allowed if it was full-time or nothing because for Mm. him it would be nothing Mm. i think it's a massive issue you know as i was reading the book um i so much of it resonated um and i think what you're talking about there the whole presenteeism thing goes back to i mean i remember uh this wasn't one of my head teachers but i remember someone telling me that their head teacher had moved offices so that he could get an office that overlooked the car park so that he could then keep an eye on which cars were there at you know four o'clock or 345 or 330 or whatever and he he could sit there in the office and just sort of watch um to see who was the most committed you know who who was who was going to keep their car in the car park the longest i think we're getting away from that that now that story to be fair is going back 15 years now you know 13 Mm, 14 15 years you'd like to think that 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 has changed and i think those extreme sort of ways have changed but i still think there's um there's elements of that within the system that are left in fact big elements of that maybe not that extreme example but there's definitely that sort of presenteeism thing is still very prevalent within the profession yeah exactly and i think that's part of the problem really isn't it there's there's still this kind of postcode lottery thing going on where it, it depends where you are it depends on your school it depends on your leadership team it depends on kind of who line manages you whether or not you can get flexibility or not so I mean we we are probably a little bit kind of biased in this respect because we we get all these emails you know every week we get new new contacts from people saying oh I've just requested to go part-time and I can't or I've just requested to leave um you know at four o'clock on a Wednesday because I need to go and do this thing and my my head teacher says I can't so I think you know we get to see the best of it and we get to see the worst of it at flexible teacher talent because we get to see these amazing like um the dfe's flexible working ambassador schools and we get to see um you know real head teachers and trust leaders who are really showcasing flexible working and doing a great job of it Mm. and then we also see you know the complete other end of the spectrum where people are just not allowed any flexibility at all and and kind of their head teachers have no understanding of um how how to how to even start to make it to make it work no. into the example that to do it the example that you just gave tom we mm. have um a sort of i don't know, like a pinnacle school that we you know just love everything they do but one of the first things that they did was just say you can 
you can walk out with the children. You know, if you're not running a club yeah. at three fifteen yeah. or whatever, you can walk out. And the head teacher thought, "This is this is brilliant. You know, it's gonna ha- this is gonna change everything." And until he did it, no one did it because <laughs> they, they just didn't yeah. believe that there wouldn't be a kind of consequences co- copy of it. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Just what <laughs> like, saying I'm trick. But... I'm going to trick them all into doing this, yeah. and then I'm going to get them on capability absolutely. when they do it. Yeah. yeah, and he said, I just have to, I had to do it and I had to do it twice a week, you know, religiously, just to show people that it was absolutely fine. There would be no consequence. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really tough culture to change if you consider that many teachers, particularly those who maybe are more experienced and have been working in the profession for 15, 20, 25 years, whatever, they will have seen the, the absolute sort of sharp end of um that sort of approach and you know it's incredibly difficult to train yourself out of that i found that um Mm -hmm. part of that is up to the individual to do that part of that you know the school won't be able to change that because it may be deeply embedded within the psyche but equally like you've just said if you can lead by example if you can show that flexible working is how we do things and that's the way we do things and it genuinely is and we're not just doing it we're not just saying it we're actually doing it then maybe there's a chance for change. What I want to move on to, um, Lindsay and Lucy, is the benefits of flexible working, which is chapter two in your wonderful book. Um, Can you tell me, just to kick off, um, like a little bit of the research around the benefits of flexible working? I don't know whether you could outline some of the key things that really stand out when it comes to the benefits of flexible working. I think the first thing is to say that a lot of this research comes from outside of sector initially. So there, there yes. hasn't been a lot of, and what, what we always say is we're just so lucky to have collated what evidence there is or what research there is into our book. We just had the time to put it all together. So hopefully it's useful, but lots, the, the main one that jumped out to me when we first started looking at it was about productivity. And Regus did a report in 2012 that just said, you know, you're 80% more productive Obviously, since um, COVID, there's been many, many more studies and actually a lot more in-depth look at kind of hybrid working. And like you said, this is why X are calling some of their people back to the office. There's obviously a happy medium. But to be 80% more productive and think about in terms of schools, what that means, and that's your pupil outcomes in the end. You as a teacher are more productive and you're able to put that into the students that you're working with. It, it felt like sort of non-negotiable. Like, why would we not help people to have a little bit of flexibility to make their lives a little bit better and then they're able to give a lot more? Yeah, no, absolutely. That makes that makes absolute sense. I mean, just reading your sort of commentary here um, and, you know, you've listed a whole range of research um, around the benefits of flexible work. You know, as I said, as you've already said, most of it is outside of outside of teaching. But nevertheless, there is strong sort of research to that it can impact recruitment and retention in a really positive way um now there is a real sort of competition with other sectors outside of teaching isn't there i mean this is the thing graduates and even people within the profession now since covid things have changed many companies have gone more flexi so Mm -hmm. what do you think of that change and what are what should schools be doing about it what is there i mean obviously your whole book lists an incredible wealth of ideas that they can do but i wondered what you thought about that change is it tangible and and you know are schools just getting left behind on it 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. But it, and it is so stark now, like the, the difference in what's available in terms of of like a workplace offer that you can get fully remote work from home jobs. It used to be that, you know, I know we know lots of schools and trusts are really struggling to recruit and um, kind of support staff because it used to be that if you were a, a kind of parent of school aged children and you were looking for a term time only job, the only thing available to you really was to go and work you know, in the office in a school. And now there's so much more that you can do because employers are being so much more flexible. Yeah. But the competition for jobs is really tough. Um, and I think, there's also this that you know we have to accept that it is different teaching is never going to be you know fully remote we're never no. going to be able to have proper flexi time although although just to cut in there do you think that we are under sort of not exploring enough yes. online Absolutely. teaching and learning because I, I i know you're saying that teaching is has to be and yes i think you know, yes, you of course you need that fundamental face-to-face contact, and of course you do. And we saw during COVID. I mean, I I was teaching during COVID, and you know it is different teaching online. But what it also does is it said to me, we're not utilizing this, and and actually does. I mean, this is a more radical idea, but I've seen it mooted. You know, does every bit of, uh, you know, everything we do have to be? You know, there are certain like online courses and stuff like that. There's just so much that maybe can be done that isn't being done. Yeah, and I, I think that might be something to explore. But even much simpler things like, you know, changing where we have registration in the day. I think I think schools are quite, um, you know, we're just very traditional, aren't we? We just do things the way they've always been done. We don't necessarily have the same kind of agility as, as commercial businesses to change that. But, you know, going to like online teaching and more use of that is one end of the scale. But you could start so small with things like not having registration at the start of the day with a teacher in front of the class. Like, is there another way to do that with different staff or at different times things like being able to have your ppa off-site like to me that is such a small thing and there is, there is no real need for ppa to be on site you can't direct what happens in that time so why are you forcing people to stay in school yeah. um, and and it just it feels slow and clunky in lots of schools and lots of school cultures where we just do things the way we always done them. You know, the timetable is done in the same way that it's always been done because that worked for the past 35 years. So we're just going to keep on doing it like this. We're not going to explore any other options. Um, and, and I think that's, yeah, we're very stuck in a lot of those traditional ways of doing things in school. I think it is important to bear in mind that, you know, it is, always about the pupils first so we wouldn't be advocating to you know like change wildly change the school timetable to fit around a few staff who need to work flexibly but we do need to keep good staff in schools so there has to be a kind of medium somewhere of course it's always really skewed towards the children and making sure the timetable works for the children but if you can't staff the school (laughs) because you can't Mm. get the bodies in there to teach them then you yeah. might need to look at how you do things and and you know if your offer can be more friendly because we are just in competition with all these other industries you know yeah. people looking to change roles people coming in um as new teachers at the start people coming back you know, yeah. all these trained teachers who are not working can we get some of them back if we're more flexible i think we probably could but at the moment we're competing with these other industries who can be so much more flexible it's never going to happen yeah. <laughs> this is it. we're not we're not competitive as an as an employment 
no. prospect. I, I mean, one of my, do you want to hear, um, Lindsay and Lucy, one of my more incredibly insane and radical ideas um, that I once had? Do you want to hear it? Or will it, or will yeah, it make you throw up? Um, oh, difficult to say now. <laughs> um, it was, so Have back in 2016, um, so remember, this was 2016. This was like way before COVID. This was back then, right? And um, I wrote this article which was it was published in the tears and it was like published by i think google education or something published it at the time and it was like about the future of education right and so in my head i was like well what you've just said is absolutely true would you rather have teachers in a school and enough of them or not if and, and my sort of idea which from a student perspective might not be the best, but I was just purely thinking about the most critical thing we have at the moment, which is not enough teachers in classrooms and schools. And basically I was saying that if you were to put every student that's in a school in the school hall on a Friday, say, or a Monday, um, and I know Mossan is here, who is, a, I think he's a CEO of a trust. So he can, he is going to trash this. <laughs> He'll be like, Tom, this ain't going to work. But anyway, it could be quite good. Who knows? Um, but if you were to put all the students in a school in the hall with laptops on a Friday or a Monday or whatever for the day, and then they were supervised by five members of staff, say, for, you know, within that hall space, and they all had personal learning, digital learning, um, AI generated objectives, tasks, sort of like the stuff that they might have done if they were engaged during COVID. But obviously this time it would be fully supervised. It would be a, a mostly silent space and they would do that. Now, while, while those five staff were to supervise them in that environment, and remember, a lot of students did like working individually online. A lot of students do like that. Uh, I think the issue was that a lot of them weren't doing it. But when they actually did it, a lot of them actually quite liked it. That was only my anecdotal experience. Many probably didn't either. It wasn't good for them. But anyway, idea would be that you would do that for one day a week and then that would free up 95 te whatever the rest of the teaching staff would be for a 1,000 strong school or an 800. So, you know, that might be, I don't know, 50 teachers, 60 teachers, whatever, are then freed up for, you know, an extra two, three hours a, a week, maybe more. Now, I'm not saying that that for learning and for, and for teaching and learning is the best case scenario. It's obviously not. But we have to start thinking more radically, in my opinion, A, about flexible working and B, about the future of the profession and teachers actually working in schools. By the way, I would love to hear from everyone who's listening about whether you think that plan is complete rubbish or whether you actually think, Tom, you might be onto something. If you think that I'm onto something, you can put a little um, thumb up emoji, which is at the bottom where you've got like the little heart symbol. You can do a little emoji. If you think that's um, a decent idea, then you can put a thumb up. If you think it's complete garbage, put a thumb down. Um, I'd be interested to know. Um, but that was my big idea back in 2016, that they would spend a day a week in a hall supervised by five members of staff, every single student in the school with a personal device, digital device, whether that's provided by the school or from home, they would be supervised online learning for a day, which would then free up, you know, all the rest of the teachers in the school to have an extra two, three, four, five hours or whatever it would be, free time a week to plan lessons, 
to actually do what they need to do. And yeah, Lindsay and Lucy, what do you think about that idea? Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to properly sit on the fence here. And just oh, <laughs> I thought you did. No one, I, no one I've spoken to has ever said it's a good idea. I, I genuinely thought that might have been the first time it was going to happen. But we did that, didn't we? We had to do things like that during COVID. And we might have to do things like that again due to staffing shortages. And we might have to do things like that because of budget constraints and I think you know Lucy and I always talk about flexible working being done in a proactive way and I think you know you've got to think about your whole staffing your whole resource offer as a school in a more proactive way because we might be kind of forced to do these things due to other factors and if they're not done purposefully with thought and research about the best way to make this happen like maybe that plan does work but it's not a whole day Friday maybe it's two mornings a different time in the week or you know maybe it's not such big groups and it's half year groups or something but these things are probably going to have to happen because we haven't got enough staff and we haven't got enough money in our schools this this is my point it's not i think we're moving to a point where it's not a case of what would be the best thing it's the case of what is the thing that will keep this profession going that's and i genuinely think that's more the question we need to start asking because we're moving from a point where, you know, a lot of time is invested into things that are lovely and are great. But my concern would be is, you know, can we keep the profession going? <laughs> you know, that's, it's, it's moving beyond what is nice and good and the best in terms of teaching and learning into can we actually get some people into a school building or around a school building to do the job of classroom teaching? I think yeah, from a flexible working point of view, that wouldn't be top of my wish list for things to happen. Can I no, say how that? dare you? But how think... dare you, Lindsay? How <laughs> dare I think, you? Um... I spent hours writing that article. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It was a complete <laughs> brain dump. But, you know, thinking outside the box like that is something that's going to need to happen. I think for flexible working, what we found with, with the big trust that we've worked with, with schools that we've worked with, at, at, you know, head teacher level, is that when they ask their staff what they want in terms of flexible working, it isn't. A whole day off or you know it isn't Monday and Friday off so everybody only works three days a week sometimes they just want to be able to leave at 3.30 yeah. sometimes they want to be able to start just when period one starts instead yeah. of in the morning sometimes they want to be able to have their PPA time at home rather than yeah. on the school site and head teachers are so shocked sometimes when they ask when they actually say to staff what do you want they get these answers that they're like oh we can totally do that. That's really actually very easy. Mm-hmm. And it's a tiny thing for the school and it has a huge impact on the individual, like for that person's life and for their enjoyment of teaching and for what they can give when they are in school. It's huge. But for the school on a big scale, even if it's that tiny thing for all 100 members of staff, it's nothing. It's actually very easy to do and it's it's not causing a knock-on effect elsewhere. Obviously, if everybody wants Monday and Friday off, it's a different story and it's going to be difficult, but they don't. So where they're asking, lots of people don't want to work part-time. They can't afford it. Um, They just don't want to. Yeah, Um, I mean, my sort of school at the minute, which is fantastic, um, uh, I went to the head actually two weeks ago, funnily enough, because they don't really have a, you, you know, due to their building they don't really have like any sort of office spaces and all the classrooms are always full um with like teaching going on so during my ppa i was like can i go off site and straight away it's like yeah absolutely not a problem no problem now 
I know of schools where it wouldn't matter what the situation was or what the rationale was. It's like, no, you can't because you can't, right? Yeah, and that, it's, that, yeah. No, you can't because you can't. And it's like, it's almost like asking the question of why would, would even be enough to, to sort of land you in a problem. Like, it's, it's almost, you know, it's just that common sense attitude sometimes, isn't it? But yeah, we see that agitator, all the time. Aren't you? You're seen as an agitator. You're asking, you're being a bit awkward. You're asking too much. You know, are you talking in general or on or just with that head? Oh, yeah, not specific. <laughs> no, but in that specific scenario. <laughs> Sorry. But, no, it's, it's okay. Um, um, I uh, yeah, I mean, the head was great and very sort of um, just just a really good attitude to it. It was just no questions asked. It's like yeah, yeah. that's that's how it's going to go. You absolutely can. Uh, just makes a massive difference just makes a massive difference when i um i so i spoke at the festival of education this year about flexible working we've done for the past few years but it was a really interesting group this year is it was a full room and it was lots and lots of head teachers and trust ceos whereas usually it's kind of classroom teachers that come and hear about it um and i said this thing about ppa offsite and uh, someone put their hand up immediately and said yeah but you can't do that and another head teacher said to him yeah but why can't you and he said well people won't do the work and like the room went oh, yeah oh is that why you won't let people do it because you think that they won't work at home yeah. and he sort of as soon as the words had left his mouth he was yeah. a bit sort of like oh actually that's not right is it yeah and it, like the other head teachers in the room said hang on a minute do you kind of do you hear what you're saying yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't trust people to work off site in you know is that is that right and I think there is a sort of for some in some schools there's a sort of micromanagement approach and that kind of lack of trust that that does get in the way of things like letting mm. people have PPA off site or letting people start a bit later and, and you know constantly back to with this this worry about the floodgates opening and what everyone's going to want and I appreciate how hard it is for head teachers to kind of get out of that mentality but also to, to kind of find the headspace and the time to think what can I do about flexible working and how can I make this mm. thing work because there was so much else going on and it's seen as this difficult thing and this big risk so I absolutely see why you know it doesn't get put at the top of the priority list but ultimately it's about keeping your staff in and keeping the staff that you have happy so yeah and what they find like it does need to be a priority yeah mm, so mm. many teachers I... find that that trust gets um you know it makes the whole organization better because they end up getting fewer requests for anything at all you know most of the head teachers who've allowed flexible working staff just feel more trusted feel more empowered and then they organize everything between them they organize the logistics between them there's no longer this like permiss permissive uh culture where i'm going to ask you for this can i leave a little bit early on that day can i because because it works for everyone because everyone's getting something out of it they all help each other out and so you you, you know high trust organizations just perform better yeah we've got i want to give a shout out to everybody listening along really appreciate it we've got poppy uh, nathan tom paul dale uh Mosen. apologies if that's not how you um pronounce your name apologies for that um i think it's Mosen. who knows uh jacqueline uh, we've got Anna, Alison, uh, Mr. Whitfield, Zena. Uh, we've also got Kimen. Uh, again, apologies if I've pronounced that wrong. Erica, Alfie, uh, and Scotty. So we've got um, numerous people who are in listening. Some people have been listening all the way along. Other people have been dropping in and out. Thank you either way. And thank you if you're listening back to this. 
uh, as a podcast and you've got this far um, we're about halfway through and still so much to talk about because we're going to be moving on in the in sort of part two onto the actual practicalities of what schools can do the legalities around asking and requesting flexible work um, and teachers who wish to do that um, I know Anthony's called in Anthony do you have anything you want to add to the conversation on yes this? I have a sh- short message for everyone I just want to say that um please stay inspired stay motivated and be ready to tackle whatever challenges brings you on on the day and just stay focused on your goals dream big and you can accomplish anything that you put your mind to i just want to share that message with everyone briefly and it's just thank you anthony that's that's wonderful thank you very much for that message it is loud and it is received thank you uh and we will move on um so Lindsay and Lucy, back to you. This is a little challenge I've got for you now. Okay, you ready? Ready. Of course. You've got <laughs> six you've got sixty seconds for each of these. And I'm gonna go through the benefits of flex and I'm gonna give you sixty seconds for each topic area. Um in your book actually. It is the topics from I think it's either chapter two or three. It could be chapter two, yes, chapter two. So I'm gonna go through each area. And I'm going to give you 60 seconds to highlight the key benefits uh, of uh, each of the areas uh, of flexible working. So are you ready? Are you going, Lucy? Am I going? What are we doing? Are we taking it in turns? I feel stressed. Um, Just tell us if I run out of time. And then if I run out of time, then you take over. One of my kids is awake. You do it. I'm handing over okay, to you. Okay. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't Thanks. I wouldn't worry too much about this if it goes wrong. It, it's not going <laughs> to sort of end your career. Okay, so don't worry. Um, okay, the first one I wanted you to say was well-being. Well-being. So teachers are, feel trusted. They feel empowered. They're able to do something outside of the classroom, which tends to give them more perspective. We talk, we I'm going to sound old now, but I think there's a generation of people who talk about well-being and they don't understand what it means. Younger generation coming in do understand. It means kind of boundaries. It means saying when I'm going to leave. It means doing something that ensures that I'm looking after myself so that I'm able to serve others. And so a lot of the flexible requests that we get are people saying, I just want to do this yoga class or I want to surf in the morning or I just want to go to Glastonbury that weekend you know, and we talk about being reason neutral, but if people are able to come and say, this small thing is going to make a huge difference to me, then they are able to then serve the community of students in, in a much better way. Wow, God, that's alarming. Well, that was your 60 seconds. Um, so thank you for that. Next one is, wait for it, is, hang on, hang on, hang on, is productivity. So if you have a bit of flexibility, we know that statistically people are more productive. There's lots of studies that say the amount of time you have to do a job, you're going to fill that amount of time. I don't remember the study. Um, So when people know they have a limited time, they become smarter about the way they do a task. If people are away from the, the building and away from the kind of mental gymnastics of school, mental gymnastics of the classroom, they're able to have a lot more perspective on what they're doing. We find a lot of people actually request to have a midday week if they can have a whole day or some time off in the middle of the week. So they're able to do something and then return to the students that are in their care. And so that that 
productivity just increases. The other thing is if people are able to be outside of the school building, especially if they're doing like a big piece of work without being interrupted by the bell or lesson changeover or duties, then that piece of the bigger piece of work can get done a lot more quickly. Um, I was hoping for the bell there. <laughs> no, hang on, hang on. The rule is you got to keep talking to it up to the up to okay. the sixty. Okay. It's like a lesson. Imagine right. having a lesson. You're like, oh, I finished ten minutes early. I'm just going to sit here now. You're not right. allowed. I'm back, Lucy. How... I can take over now. I'm ready. Okay, great. That's Thanks. not how the rules of this game play out. <laughs> this is like a lesson, guys. All right. So you know, get with it. High pressure. Uh, yeah, it is high pressure, right? So you've got to keep talking for the sixty. So um, anyway, um, imagine that saying to the kids, "Oh, I'm just going to wait for the bell now." Imagine that. It's poor. It's really poor. I think ten um, seconds off is alright. <laughs> very close, right. very close. Um, oh, I don't know. That's ten percent. Um, no, no, it's not. What am I talking about? I can't even do maths. Anyway, next one is um, savings. Oh yeah, good one. So, what we found in some schools is that you can use flexible working to save money because you can make your timetable very lean by using it. So rather than employing a whole additional maths teacher to teach a kind of 0.6 maths timetable and then the rest of the time getting them to teach something else, maybe maths is a bad example because you wouldn't really need you'd need your maths teachers for all the hours. But if you need a geographer only for 0.6, and you, you employ a full-time geographer and then have them teaching for 0.4 outside of their specialism, then you're just, you know, it's not effective and you're not running your timetable in the most lean way that you can. So if you only recruit and kind of adjust your hours, so a lot of part-timers are willing to change year on year what they do. So I do 0.6 some years, I do 0.8 some years, depending on what the timetable needs from me. And there's that kind of flexibility um, within your flexible team. So you can use that to work more um, in a more lean way when you're doing a timetable. But we've also seen it used at a leadership level to reduce the costs of your senior leadership team. It's a fire alarm. What to say? Get yeah. them in single file. <laughs> Let's walk them out in a safe and orderly fashion. Um, okay, nice. Right, we've got that one. Uh, hang on, let me reset my little timer. Um, the last one is, uh, oh yeah. Oh, and I like this one, you know. I do like this one, um, which is uh, 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 role modelling. Yeah, this is all about... Oh, go on, Lucy, do you want to do it? No, go, go. Go on, all about inclusivity I... and showing how it works. I think Lucy spoke about it before. Go, Lucy. So Wasting have, time. Wasting time. Start see... the lesson. First two minutes. Do now people... task. Get it done. Do now task. <laughs> Scripted replies. Scripted We've responses. Get into you your lesson objective. See, Go. You can't be. What you can't see, you can't be. So if people are looking up and they're seeing um, nobody working flexibly, nobody leading the kind of life they lead, and by that I mean making life choices about having children, and we know that women leave before they leave. So if I'm looking up and I'm seeing, hang on a minute, no one is able to do both of these things. I can't see a leader who's also a parent. Then I'm I'm leaving the profession before I leave. Also, I'm talking about people who may have like a long term health concerns. We've got people who maybe have got Crohn's disease or something like that. They've got very specific health needs that can be catered for when they're not in the building. There's no reason why they can't be teachers. There's no reason why their their teams can't manage without them on very specific 
days and so you know you're opening up the profession and making it more inclusive is there anything else Lindsay yeah it's also about for the kids role modeling for the kids because if you can only lead a school if you're full-time and there all day every day every hour then only certain people and by that I'm talking about men with no responsibilities can be head teachers and then you you know kids see that the only way to be at the top of an organization is to be full-time and to be working there all the time (laughs) (laughs) oh I think that one deserves I mean, the a only bit reason, more time. I feel yeah. terrible. I feel terrible about this. The only reason is there's so much to get through. Very stressful it's... noise. It's very stressful. I know, I know, I know. Especially that the first time you hear it when you think it's anything. in your house. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think, okay, I think, like, um, I want to move on from that sort of, which is your sort of chapter two bit, onto uh, the reasons for working uh, flexibly. So the reasons why people... Uh, work flexibly and who they are so I don't know whether one of you wants to sort of go through that yeah the absolute biggest number is of is women aged 30 to 39 or or okay is women or mothers right so they are the biggest requester that doesn't mean that they're the only people that need it but that says something about where profession meets life and people feel like I'm unable to continue in the you know the amount of hours that like we were saying we used to do until you have something that completely gets in the way of that so actually now I do have this reason for leaving the building at you know a reasonable hour and I'm not probably not going to be able to give as many hours to this as, as I as I used to it doesn't make me less committed or whatever but it's clearly something about that change in your life that means people change their own individual you know perception of how teaching is going to work for them that's why that's the biggest number but obviously it's absolutely not the amount of people that want to ask for it and I think yeah, that I think we, we were quite yeah, surprised, weren't we, Lucy? Because we were both coming from it as a point of view of like new mums looking for flexible working. Very quickly, we saw how many different reasons there were. So it might be people like nearing retirement who just want to kind of phase out before they retire. Um, people going through menopause who need to work in a different way for a certain period of time or, you know, any other health um, problem or, you know, there can be so many different things going on in your life that mean that you want some flexibility. And the other thing that's, you know documented is that it doesn't it isn't often permanent so people don't don't have a permanent desire to work in a certain way but mm. at certain times in their lives in certain circumstances yeah. they just need a bit more flexibility and when they don't get that there's this danger that we lose them from the profession or we make them stay working in a very inflexible way and they're miserable. You know, that's the other side of it, isn't it? We talk all the time about losing them because we don't give them flexibility. But do you want people working for you who are miserable because they can't balance what else is going on in their lives? It's really difficult. Yeah, no, that makes makes perfect sense. I mean, you have mentioned in Chapter 3... Oh, by the way, if you are enjoying this conversation, people, then you can actually get a full-on special exclusive discount with Teachers Talk Radio of 25% off this book if you buy it directly through the Sage Education website. And you can put the code in, TTR25. That's TTR25. um, And you can get 25% off uh, the book uh, that we're talking about right now, which is, uh, so if you want to search for it on the website, it is Flex Education. A Guide for Flexible Working in Schools by Lindsay Patience and Lucy Rose, who I'm talking to right now. You can get 25% off. TTR25 is the code to use on the SAGE website. Um, so, yeah, in the book on Chapter 3, 
you actually go through and you say like, okay, yes, you've got parents and carers, but you've also got those with other interests like me. Um, you've got those moving towards retirement. You've got new graduates. It's interesting you put there with the, the new graduates bit. That's a um, change. Our, our it, inbox has massively increased with people. Like we were talking about it being making teaching a competitive marketplace. You know, people are coming through. This was pre-COVID. 92% of them would request flexible working regardless yeah. of the sector. So now that's changed even more. And that's what is expect. You know, they're expecting that. They're expecting to go into a profession where you're able to have a bit of flexibility. We also have people who are looking, you know, they know the statistics. They know that after five years, that's the next biggest group of people who are leaving. So because they're well-versed in what well-being means, they're looking and saying, well, hang on, what if I just did a third year? at my kind of NQT level? What if I was able to still have a mentor, be observed a lot and not increase my timetable for an extra year? That's probably gonna make me a better teacher and it might mean I stay in the profession for a little bit longer. So I'd say in the last 18 months, uh, you know, the amount of e emails that we get from people who are new graduates who've just done their ECT or NQT year, they're coming to the end of that journey and they're wondering how possible it is to be a bit flexible that's, re that's been I a think huge shift. That's probably linked to that thing you were saying before, Tom, as well, about how you know, other other industries and the competition with other industries and how flexible they can be. Whereas, you know, for, for my generation, I don't know if we're all the same generation. I'm going to make a stab at that. Um, but we we have, you know, if you wanted to be a teacher, you wanted to be a teacher and you didn't really think, oh, I wonder what in 15 years time the flexibility will be like when I want to do something else or when I want to have kids. But I think younger generations coming through have just got a slightly more like visibility around what what a career longer term is going to be like. And I wonder mm -hmm. if they're just better at thinking ahead a bit. You know, if you, it's quite hard when you leave uni, you see your friends going to work, you know, fully remote and you, you realise early on now that that's not something that's going to be happening in teaching. And I, yeah, and I wonder about the whole kind of media representation of teaching as well, like through through COVID and the things about the pay, and it's really yeah, it's tricky. Isn't I think it? workload as well. I mean, no one's going to miss yeah. sort of the, the 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 workload. So for me, it's like if you're a graduate now, um, you know, I st I went through my PGC two thousand seven two thousand and eight, and you know, my parents were teachers, but there was never the level there is now of, I mean, there was a lot, there was still problems then, of course there were, of course there were. And, you know, I was working in a similar way to what I probably worked, you know, 10 years down the line when I first started. But equally now, there's so many more options and opportunities that are so much better publicized. You imagine like TikTok didn't exist. You know, half these social media sites there are now didn't really exist in the way they do now as accessible as they are now and as prominent in people's thoughts and minds as they are now. So it doesn't take you long to get an email from LinkedIn saying, here's 10 job opportunities around you, which you probably wouldn't have got 15 years ago. You know, when I started teaching, I didn't have like, I don't know what, I, I don't even know if I had Facebook, you know, like it's just changed so much. And there is that more visibility of what other opportunities there are available, whereas before, that it just wasn't as much so yeah. i think that's huge like the options are broadened and as you say the idea that people in their 20s are now earning more for a start they're earning more than probably they could have earned in graduate jobs 15 20 years ago but equally usually they've got hybrid remote options so the idea of 
getting up an hour, an hour and a half before when you would need to for a job that's mostly remote, it makes a massive difference. And it's, it's easy to forget, isn't it, that it, it is an amazing job. Like, I wouldn't do anything else. Like, I still teach three days a week, and I, yeah. I will never not teach. Like, Lucy and I have had conversations, you know, do kind of do we need to step back from our jobs in schools to, to sort of manage flexible teaching yeah. talent? Like, is it getting too big? And neither of us have ever wanted to fully come out of schools because that's what we do, and, and we love yeah. that. And there are so many teachers who do that and love that, but there are too many being kind of forced out by you know toxic schools and workload but also by this lack of flexibility and when you hear someone like um so antonia spinks who's the ceo of the pioneer trust pioneer educational trust i think they're called um when you hear her talk about her staff and how much she values them and you know she is not doing flexible working as a kind of tick box thing that she thinks she mm. should be doing and and yes she is doing it a little bit to try and to try and recruit and to try and retain but at the heart of it really is she she has all these staff who love working in school and she wants them to stay working in her school and stay happy and you know productive and there <laughs> with them and it's you know it is easy to forget that it is it is the best job in the world like it is such a great job absolutely it's a little I mean, bit flexibility can help to keep more people in it and you know it does go in hand with all those workload things as well like we we, the chapters have written the book about the kind of schools that say no to flexibility like blanket no tend to also be quite toxic places to work like they they tend to have like kind of a low trust culture and often Mm. workload issues yeah and kind of goes hand in hand i think definitely i mean i'm very similar I, i don't want to leave teaching so I'm still teaching um albeit part-time but I almost had to create those opportunities for myself if that makes sense like I had to almost start from being unemployed to then find those opportunities rather than I I I think when I was full-time it would have been incredibly difficult to get the sort of flexibility I wanted part-time flexible working hours whatever it was I just felt like I needed to start from scratch. And then I rebuilt from nothing until I found arrangements that suited me. But I had to go and seek those out, really. Yeah. And it's like what Lucy was saying before about feeling like you're, you know, you're a disorder, like feeling like you're an agitator because you. Yeah. Like you're if you're the first one in your school to ask about it, if you're the first one to say, oh, can I have my PPA from home? Or the first one to say, oh, I, you know, I want paying full time for my TLR, mm. even though I'm a part time teacher. You feel like a pain in the bum, like you are yeah. you're creating an issue and you're causing a discussion about something that's not been discussed before. But it's so important to do that. It's so important to be the trailblazer that does that. So the people who come after you don't have to have those difficult conversations and don't have to have those kind of barriers in their way so it, it it is really hard and you know we we talk to people all the time about well you know your options are you can ask for this or you can do this or you can see if they'll do this but it's so hard to do that you know if you're if you're wanting flexibility because you're having a really hard time you have mental health issues if you're doing it because you've just had a baby and you're trying to go back to work if you're doing it because your parent has got a health issue like it's 
often a very very vulnerable time and you're putting yourself in this position where you're having to fight your corner and be an agitator and try and get the school to do something differently and kind of coming up against resistance and it's just such bad timing that that's often when you're asking for flexibility and you need flexibility to have to fight for it is really tricky. Do you think that I mean in that situation because in the book actually I did want to ask you about the bit about the legal uh, position on people who request flexible working um uh, you know you've got um you mentioned the equality act of 2010 but you mentioned lots of other rights and it's too much for me to sort of talk through here but in the book you've actually got danielle Ayres, who's an employment law specialist um at Gorvin solicitors who actually goes through uh all the sort of um q a if you like on flexible working so I don't know whether you can sort of summarise some of the key points in terms of employment and law when it comes to flexible working practice and, yeah, teachers' positions on that. Oh, well, the law is just changing. So, you know, we're going to have to do a second edition. Ah. <laughs> um, so there's been these big changes to um, flexible working law recently, not not just for the teaching sector, you know, kind of um, nationwide. Um, so what is happening and kind of the ethos and the spirit of these changes is to make flexible working um, easier. So it should be easier in the future to request flexible working and employers responsibility in terms of dealing with the requests um, ha- have changed. And the kind of responsibility to look at flexible working requests is, is getting bigger so you have to respond in a a shorter time you have to have a a dialogue and a discussion about the reasons that you're saying no and kind of talk talk through the request more than you used to Um, and employees can make more requests so these things are are changing and we talk a lot um, about how for schools that's that's going to be quite a big thing because it might make the difference between whereas before it was kind of okay to wait and see who made a flexible working request and then just deal with them one at a time if the burden on schools for dealing with flexible working requests is now bigger it might make more sense to be more proactive and kind of consider them as part of the annual cycle so you can look at them kind of all together at once and work out which ones you can do and can't do and if there's any compromises to be made um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really dynamic area at the moment because there've just been those changes to the law. I mean, what would you say to someone who is quite hesitant to put in a flexible working request? Um, contact us; we'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and that and you know that's another thing we we see lots of people not wanting to do it because they know the answer will be no. Yeah. So um, I never actually made a flexible working request in my in my uh, you know assistant head job because I knew I sat in SRT meetings where every single flexible working request was turned down I knew that if I made one the answer would be no yeah um, and there's also some teacher tap data around around men and men requesting and and then thinking um that there'll be a men men think there will be a kind of worse effect on their career than women do about making a flexible working request so they they often don't make them because they're worried about the implication for progression and the implication for kind of their status in the school well there is i i think there is an issue with and again i don't know whether this is this isn't just for men but i do i have noticed that whole oh he's just a supply teacher or he's just a part-time or he's just a a thing right and i've 
I've had that on social media. I've seen other people get that on social media. They happen to be men, but I don't think there's that's not like research or anything on that. That's just purely anecdotal. But it is interesting you say that and whether that is a gender issue or whether that's just a profession issue. I do think it's just a profession issue, but I do think there is that whole definitely, yeah, I don't know whether people think they need to be doing a certain thing to have eligibility as a professional oh yeah there, there's definitely um I, I think it was about i'm not sure how but maybe 12 or 15 years ago there was a change to the law where previously um you could only make a flexible working request if you were a parent and there is a hangover where lots of people think the only kind of valid reason for making a flexible working request is if you're a parent and you need flexibility around that um and that law went ages ago you know anyone can make flexible working requests for any reason um and you know we, we often talk about schools being re- reason neutral or like does it matter does it actually matter why people want to work flexibly they're asking you for something and you know can you can you accommodate that does it matter why they want it i think sometimes though it does matter so if they're requesting it because of something linked to their status as a parent or a health issue or a long-term disability or chronic health issue then you you do need to know that as a school because you Mm. need to take that into consideration to make sure that you are you know fulfilling your full duty of care to to those members of staff um and and, you know meeting your requirements under the equality act so um you know there are reasons why not more important reasons but there's sometimes there are reasons where what the reason is is actually an important part of the flexible working request um we all, but i do think we talk- it's I do, I do think it's good as well to challenge that whole like the um sort of professional status thing i think the world's changing you know the world of work's changing there's no need anymore to think oh if i put in a flexible working request i'm not as hard not working as or as committed or as good or as yeah. Uh, you know, I'm doing this because I can't hack it or I'm doing this because, yeah. you know, that that might be the opinion that some people still hold. But m- the world is changing and most mm-hmm. people are starting to wake up to the fact that, no, that is rubbish. Each individual should work in a way that suits them as long as obviously they they know what they're doing from a financial perspective and everything else. That's how the that's how things are going. Um, so as an, on an individual level, forgetting about whether the request is accepted yeah. or rejected. I think it's important to have that mentality, isn't it? Yeah. And that, you know, it's not that a lot of the language around it is so reductive. Only good teachers. Hmm. And and there's also that thing to consider about, you know, it doesn't need to be a formal flexible working request. So there are, you know, there are informal and formal requests. So you can make a statutory request that's kind of covered by the laws and by the policy, but you can also make informal requests, um, you know, having good good relationships with line managers is important for that and kind of having someone that you can go to and trust and also line managers being kind of informed about flexible working and understanding how it works I certainly didn't you know when I was a kind of youngish assistant head and people would say oh can I make a flexible working because I wouldn't know where to start like I didn't know the first thing about it um and I think that you know there's lots of information out there for people who don't know to kind of skill themselves well they can read our book can't they for a start but um there are you know there is a lot of information out there from the dfe and and from us and you know there are ways to 
educate yourself on it so that if you do get someone coming to you as as someone in a position of responsibility and and asking about flexible working even before they make that statutory request when you you're kind of covered by all the legal stuff there might be things that you can do informally um that that work for everyone and work for the school and work for the individuals without even going that far let's look a little bit at um job design and creation uh, which is one of the little features in the book is advertising with flexibility um if there's a school leader listening or somebody who is involved in drafting or designing a job advert or whatever what things would you ask them to maybe consider before they sit down and actually write that advert what what is there any sort of red flags? Is there anything that you would be like, right, don't do not do that or do this? Oh, have we lost you there, Lucy? Or is it just me? Lindsay, have we still got I you? Know. I can't hear Lucy either. Yeah, I think she went there. Go on, Lindsay, can oh, you no, answer Hang that? on, I can hear her now. Oh, you're I'm, back again. I'm talking, but I feel like you can't hear me. Yeah. I can hear you now. Great. Hear you I have, sorry to be so, like, March 2020. I, the... There was a generally accepted before COVID that if you made an advert that had flexible and it mentioned flexibility, you'd have a wider field of applicants. So up to like 20% more people would apply. And that generally in education is still true. There's more recent evidence that because people are worried that a, an, an organisation is just putting flexibility on their adverts, a sort of whitewash to say, oh, yeah, we accept flexibility. And they might not actually match that that the more detailed and more specific you can be about the type of flexibility that there is, the better. So if it's a senior leadership position, you know, you might be able to say part of this would be able, you, you know, you would be able to do some of this remotely, specifically these tasks. Or as a head of year, we've got um, a kind of rotation system and you'd be able to come in a little bit later one day or leave a little bit earlier because we know the pastoral burden, that kind of thing. So if you can be quite specific, looking at the vision and values of your school and match that to the types of flexibility, then that really, really helps. But I think in teaching, if people see there's a working families have a logo that just says flexible working is will be discussed. And also, if you just make a mention of, you know, we will discuss flexible working at interview and that will open up. A huge amount more applicants because at the moment so few adverts mention flexibility that you end up not having anybody apply or you don't have as many people apply or and the advice we have to give people is apply for your perfect role even if it's advertised as full-time because then once you get through the whole interview process that's when you'll be able to discuss flexibility and obviously that makes people feel very uncomfortable but that's kind of the only option that they have at the moment which is you know you need to go for the job that you're going to be ideal for the school will also see that and then once they've offered it to you then you can talk flexibility yeah and like going back to that thing about schools being proactive so if you advertise for a full-time position and you know everyone everyone who applies is willing to do full-time but then your best candidate it kind of gets right down to the end and you know you want that person and then they mention flexible working right at the end or they mention it when they're offered the role and you, you're like, oh, actually, we can't do that. We, we need, you know, we need this many hours, so we can't give you three days a week, and that's too hard. If you've been open and um, kind of proactive about offering flexible working, and all the way through your recruitment process, it's clear that you genuinely will consider flexible working. Then you're more likely to have, you know, a whole host of applicants who are offering some kind of flexibility, or who are requesting some kind of flexibility, and then you can 
you can mix and match the best of them. Maybe you end up recruiting for 1.5 because you've got two great people who both want to work kind of 0.7, 0.8. Um, and you you know you needed to overstaff maths anyway so that works out brilliantly for you but if you're not open from the start with your recruitment about that then you're never going to get that because people are too nervous to mention it or they wait right till the end and your full options aren't available yeah oh absolutely um if you're just joining us by the way we've still got about 10 minutes or so left um i've, I've got a couple of really interesting areas to still cover um, tonight in the last sort of 10 minutes or so. So do stay with us. Um, if you're just joining us, we're actually discussing uh, Lucy and Lindsay's book, which is called Flex Education, a guide for flexible working in schools, which is published via Sage Education. So if you Google the title of the book, uh, in fact, it's pinned to the top of the space if you if you want to find it there, um, you can get 25% off it uh exclusively with teachers talk radio uh if you go to the sage website if you put in the coupon code ttr25 it'll give you 25 percent off um lucy and Lindsay's book so definitely do that if you're interested in flexible working check out the book um grab it because this in this amazing show that we've done this evening um is purely a snapshot of what is actually in the book which is an incredibly detailed portfolio of approaches to flexible working both for teachers but also for school leaders and for schools i wanted to ask you got 10 minutes left um lucy and Lindsay. i wanted to ask you about this idea of job sharing or as you call it talent partnerships because i found that bit really interesting when you were like let's stop calling it job sharing let's call it a talent partnership can you explain that to me a little bit and, and our listeners a little bit yeah so we found that most of the language around flexible working is a bit reductive so like you were saying just a little while ago about part-time it's sort of am i part committed and so on mm-hmm. and a job share is just so much less than the sum of the parts of two very skilled people who are probably coming probably coming to that role with a different skill set from each other so rather than just you're doing much more than just sharing a job you're probably coming together um, and being able to, you're much more than the sum of your parts, basically. And what we found is where that becomes the model. So where somebody maybe started to do a co-headship with somebody else through, you know, for logistical reasons, usually it has been, or the, the pairings that we've had are people who are, um, are have become parents. They've then found that that's such a rich way of working, particularly for being a head teacher in a school where there are so many demands on you. To have two people who have come at it through different routes, who've got different skill sets, who are you know, genuinely better at different parts of the role, but who can have some crossover, who are willing to take the responsibility and you know, both share both in you know, successes and if there's failings or things that need to be dealt with. That partnership is so rich that it has to be more, it's more than just a job share. It's more than just kind of being a different body in the building at a different time. Mm. So talent partnership is not our word. I think it came from Ginny B or TimeWise. And so they, they used it first and I think semantics matter. So when you are having people who are sharing a job, think more about it as a, a, a talent partnership. Mm. What about part-time? What can we use instead of that? <laughs> We're still, still, still out on the jury. We haven't found anything. <laughs> well, come on, you must have some ideas. I, there were a couple of other things about that and about, you know, language does matter. And I, um, it took me ages to start to stop saying my days off so I work um a compressed timetable so I work 0.8 
teaching timetable but squished into three days so I only go onto the school site for three days and so I, I effectively have two half days where I work from home yeah and I always say my days off and they're not days off I'm just working from a different place so I, I say my non-school days and I just try and um you know be conscious of the fact that I'm doing that but we also have this thing about class shares so Mm -hmm. split classes you know split oh no it's a split class it's split it's broken how's it going to work they're shared classes they have two teachers um and that works fine doesn't it like often I teach a level and it's much better to teach two people rather than just one person on the course the whole way so you know there are there are various different things about that and non-working days and things um Mm. that we try and be conscious of Yeah. And I know you've got so many case studies in the book um, from teachers who are either doing talent shares or, you know, they're working part time or they're doing, you know, they're doing they've got different work arrangements. So it's really interesting to sort of read uh, the different uh, things that they do and how they how schools have facilitated that. Um, Now, in the book, you've got your final chapter, which is entitled The Final Thoughts. Um, And at the very end of this chapter, Uh, You sort of, well, first of all, you give a series of recommendations, but you also have this bit that says a call to action uh, where you say we need to be kinder and more humane to all our colleagues, regardless uh, of where they are working and who they're working for. Um, Ask, try, review, revise and let us know how you get on. Um, Together, we have the power to flex education. I thought that was a really nice um, sort of end to the book. But I wondered whether, you know, from those key recommendations for individuals and schools, Maybe you could give us, to finish off our show tonight, your top sort of recommendations for teachers and for school leaders when it comes to uh, flexible working. I think my top recommendation for head teachers is just just ask your staff. Don't be frightened to ask what they, what they, would, what they want because you'll be so pleasantly surprised. Literally everyone we work with comes away so pleasantly surprised. They can match the needs with the vision and values of the school. They start to see, actually, this is going to work perfectly with the fact that we wanted to have more extra quicker offer in the morning. We're going to have fewer staff in. We're going to rotate who comes in, and that's how we're going to manage it, and more of the students are going to you know, be doing extra quickly and then they're going to register period one, whatever it is, you know, they they find a way that matches their context. So context is key, but the staff that you have in front of you are, are, are not going to be demanding too much. And if you just go out and ask them, and it can be a simple, you know, MS form, Google survey, whatever it is, what kind of flexibility would you ask for? Let us know. And that preempt, that sort of proactive way of doing it will just solve so many problems. And, and it just means you open up the conversation that works for your school and in your context. And it's, it's the best way to do it. It's the way that the head teachers who taught us basically how to do it, yeah. do it. And, and I'm going to be a bit cheeky and I'm going to have two. So I'm Ooh, go have for it. One for teachers who are wanting to work flexibly. It's like, just go for it. Like it is hard and you, you might be in a situation, you know, where your circumstances have changed and it's difficult, but if you don't ask, you don't get, and it might, it might seem pushy and hard and like you're kind of creating a problem but if you don't ask if it's a choice between all or nothing you know you've got to try and see what you can get that will work for you and be flexible about that so when I first came back after I had my first daughter I said I had to do three days concurrent like I had to do them in a row and there was nothing else I could possibly do and I ended up doing Monday Wednesday Thursday and it worked out great but at the time I was like I cannot possibly do 
any anything other than three days together. And then another one is for staff who are already working flexibly. So this is a group of people that we've ended up kind of helping and working with that we didn't anticipate. So it can be quite hard to maintain your boundaries. So we talked earlier about that thing around people thinking part-time staff are like partly committed and not working hard enough. But conversely, we have this whole uh, you know argument where people say, oh, it's terrible to go part-time because you just end up working full-time and only getting part of the pay. So like people are working too hard when they're part-time. We're either working not hard enough or too hard, we can't win. Um, and so that there's something around for flexible people who are already working flexibly like holding your boundary making sure that you are only working for what you're getting paid for and I think there's a whole other conversation around that and and then a part-time TLRs where people are only paid part-time but still have to do the full responsibility of the TLR um so yeah um making sure that you kind of fight for your to get it if you haven't got it and then when you have it making sure that it it's fair and you are working appropriately for what you're being paid for fantastic wow brilliant tips to finish off with um if you are interested in delving into this in much more detail than we have tonight um you can get the book it's called flex education a guide for flexible working in schools you listener can get 25 percent off on the sage education website find the book and then put the code ttr25 into there that's ttr25 when you complete the order it will give you 25 percent off via sage of this book which is called flexible working or sorry flex education a guide for flexible working in schools i've read the whole thing i highly recommend it if you're interested in flexible working either as a, a teacher or a school leader or anybody really involved in in schools or education then it really is um the place to go and i think you say in the introduction don't you um uh, Lucy and Lindsay about how it can be dipped into you know the chapters are quite uh, you know if you want to find something specific then it can be a really good sort of reference book as well can't it yeah I think if you're if you're not convinced then start from the beginning if you're convinced but you want to know about the logistics then dive in where the where it's appropriate yeah. to do so yeah yeah exactly um massive thanks to both of you for coming on Teachers Talk Radio tonight it's been uh it's been fantastic, a lot of fun as well, and um, a really good conversation. Um, and it's fantastic to hear that you know you both teach and you're still enjoying it. You're still doing that. That's that's you know that remains your core purpose. And you know I just think that's um, that's amazing to hear. And uh, yeah, definitely I, th- I think that that's amazing. So thanks very much both. And uh, this will be available as a podcast um, very soon. Uh, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, the Teachers Talk Radio website. Um, we are going to package this up and it will be scooting through to your podcast platforms very, very soon. Um, so look out for that. Uh, if you have missed any of this conversation and actually want to listen back to the whole thing, then um, then definitely check that out. Um, so that's it from me. Um, in five minutes, we've got Richie Slack, um, who is live on the Teachers Talk Radio website. Just click on the Listen Live tab. He will be live. And he is talking about, ooh, let me see. It was something to do with, it looked very good anyway, very interesting. Two seconds, two seconds, two seconds. It is the gender divide teaching boys. Uh, Jane, who is an educator and head of department, joins Richie to explore the current gender divide and ideas about how to teach boys effectively. That is live in five minutes time, uh, less than five minutes time 
on the TTR website. So thanks everybody for listening live. Uh, everybody who's in now listening, thank you very much. And everybody who has been in listening live. And uh, yeah, see you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.